0: Off top, parmesan cheese, not invented in Italy. From Wisconsin, play the music.
1: This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.
0: All right, Charlie. I mean, I was listening to a podcast this morning called... uh, decoded i think it was decoder and that's what they told me i can't find corroboration for it on the internet but i believe the podcast because podcasts are the most trusted resource we have in this country and who believes that parmesan was created back in the day
2: i trust one thing more than that and that is wikipedia which is telling me that historical documents show that in the 13th or 14th century parmesan was created a similar way to the way it is now
0: that's bs
2: wisconsin wasn't even around that's right maybe (laughs) maybe we took parmesan cheese. You know what? Manifest s-
0: destiny parmesan cheese. I'm with it. I'm down with it. I found this out the other day um that Wisconsin Avenue this is a very local mm-hmm. fact. Wisconsin Avenue in DC is older than uh the I was going to say the colonists, but that feels a little too kind, <laughs> but older than any white people on the land. Huh. The Wisconsin Avenue, at least not being named Wisconsin Avenue, obviously, but the the um pathway was used by animals and then Native Americans. And then eventually white people took it. Yeah, it's a great road. Very useful road. Yeah. Not useful for this conversation because it's a sports show. And we're gonna get to lots of sports. You cut me off.
2: I I was gonna go into some other (laughs) Oh, some other (laughs) tangents. Have you ever read any of these these history books that talk about DC in particular ways? And then they'll have maps and they'll have like the map is so similar of the roadways, like starting in the 18th century, and it's incredibly bizarre because I've lived here my whole most of my life, and you've lived here a long time, and it's just incredibly weird when they talk of specific directions and routes it's like oh i take that route to go to work
0: <laughs> yeah especially when it's um talking about transporting slaves or something like that okay i mean that's those are the history books that i end up reading when i hear about it, It's like yeah wisconsin yeah, avenue make, used, make me uh, uncomfortable in this i got it <laughs> yeah i mean you're jewish it's you're, true. You're, you're less uncomfortable than most yeah. white people yeah was, we weren't here for that part <laughs> all right so we got um Contract time. Everybody getting paid. Mm. Trayvon Diggs getting paid. Justin Herbert's getting paid. Uh, who else is getting paid? Jalen Brown is getting paid. Andrew and Thomas. <laughs> Andrew Thomas is getting paid. Sorry, Saquon. Seriously. That's, that's, that contract, the Saquon contract, makes me sadder and sadder every time uh, we think about it. And every time someone else gets paid, it makes me feel bad. And like the idea that he came back for a bonus that he's not likely going to reach, that is also insignificant. Relative to the amount of money that's being tossed around, is sad. Yeah, Brian Dable is going to stop him at thirteen hundred and (laughs) forty-eight yards. I hope they should. They got to help him reach that incentive. But that also just seems ridiculous because it's a nine hundred thousand dollars incentive on a contract that, or, or for a player that's worth a lot more than that.
2: He literally, they he took the like you know the the tablet tip thing where it's like. 10, 15, 20%. He actually took the far left. Oh, jerk.
0: I'm an over-tipper. Same. Yeah, you got to. Sam. And even, like, I hear people complaining, and maybe this is just, like, first world problems or 1% of problems or something, but it's not even a problem. But I get annoyed because now you can tip just about everywhere. Yeah. And when people complain about it, that annoys me. I agree. Tip or don't tip. Probably should tip. (laughs) Post-pandemic,
2: one service industry support everyone in the service industry Two, um one of my biggest pet thieves and that's something i would judge people for is if they're assholes to people in the service industry those are the worst people and number three there's the social peer pressure of it is if you're ever ordering at a an at a kiosk and there's a line behind you is you don't want to be pressing the button
0: on the left or the no tip. So I'm always just all over tip. It's yeah, okay. I, I was, you always press the far right button, which like now we're just expressing to everybody that we're, we're good people. <laughs> Everyone write That's this right. down. We are good people. I always tip my Uber drivers yeah. far, far right Uber drivers. You yeah. get it. Even though I don't expect anything from you, just don't mess it up. You get five stars and far right. I had a guy Uber driver get in an accident. He still got five stars really? and, and a tip because I felt sorry for him. I had a,
2: uh, an Uber driver get into an accident he actually just didn't finish the ride he was like a fender bender he just dropped me off like yeah.
0: way away from my house and i had to wait 20 minutes for uh for yeah. another my guy river. did too so my guy I, was he a had self, four stars for yeah, me he was a self-accident he was going he was making a turn and he hit the curb and blew his tire oh so he pulled over and i just felt so terrible i was like don't worry about it i, I had like a mile more to walk so i just walked in my he- guy just aggressively right turned, side <laughs> the car
2: like on a on a no turn on red, and i was like I was like, I don't want to be here and deal with insurance. I'm, I'm going to leave. So I guess I'm not as good of a person as you.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/df today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelphelp.com/df.
0: All right, so, you know who has plenty of tip money right now? Which contract you want to start with? Let's start with Justin Herbert. I think the contract is, you were pointing out to me this morning how it's a little bit of a trick of a contract. Like, it's not a full trick of a contract, but it's it's more of an extension than a brand new contract. So, go ahead. Yeah, so
2: we went through the entire Lamar Jackson saga of his contract. What was he going to get? Was he going to get as much guaranteed money as Deshaun Watson? And he ended up on a deal that is five years, $52 million a year annually and $185 million guaranteed. Justin Herbert essentially is has two years left on his rookie deal with the fifth year option and signed a five-year deal, which will amount in totality with the tiers left on his deal to be a 70 or $293 million deal. So he's going to have an average value for the remainder of his contract of $43 million. So this goes back to a maxim that you have talked about. Pay your guys early, offer them security, and you are going to end up getting a team-friendly deal. The news report showed that he was making you know, an extra $500,000 a year versus Lamar, but it ends up being by because he signed it early, because he didn't play the game of chicken, It ends up being more team-friendly than it could have been if he played out his rookie deal.
0: When you know you have a guy, I don't get the reason, particularly at that position. Now, maybe you don't want to do it for another position because of injuries or something or randomness. Like cornerbacks, they can have bad seasons. Like You can Mm -hmm. have a great cornerback who can have a bad season and then maybe the value goes down and you can get him for cheaper. But by and large, when you draft a guy high, and he performs to the abilities, especially at the position of quarterback or surpasses that ability, after three years, you can resign him. Mm-hmm. Do it. yeah. Because one, even if you pay him, even if you rip up the contract and pay him the top dollar that everyone else is getting, sure, it you will be better off in the long run. As long yeah. as your contract, or as long as you, it's not gonna put you over the cap in the coming season, you'll be better off in the long run. You can construct a contract that would allow you to defer the money. It's gonna be cheaper for you. In the long run. I don't understand why teams don't do this. Um, I guess you could argue for the Lamar Jackson thing because uh, he's so reliant on, on his running ability. Totally unique wanna, player. Yeah, yeah. That you want to be more careful about making that commitment, but I don't believe that works either.
2: And it didn't work. Lamar yeah. Jackson had the two least effective years of his career career so, i mean it's since his rookie still, year and right. still, still got a, a contract that's nine million dollars annually above justin Herbert's. that no
0: one would consider team friendly so i yeah. i don't um i assume it, it seems so obvious to me and it never really it rarely works out i assume that maybe just the agents but what would happen in my view is because of the way that rookies have been paid since the 2011 uh cba they are clamoring, I would assume, to get to that money. It's not like before where rookies had $100 million deals right out the gate. I would assume that any bit of guarantee, any bit of security that is respectable, that most rookies would take it. I don't get why it takes so long. I don't get why the um, Dak Prescott saga was the most ridiculous of all of them. And I guess you could point to Carson Wentz as a time when they made the mistake, but it sure seems like the Eagles bounce back from that. You can in, in if that player shows enough promise, you can move off from of even off some bad years. It just doesn't make any sense to wait. To yeah,
2: make. they're even they're able to move off Jared Goff when he seemed like a completely. Destiny. At, 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 at this the thing that i think is crazy and the best example of this is mahomes mahomes signed that contract that literally i remember when the number came across it was like it was one of those holy shit numbers and then we're like oh nfl contracts are fake but that one wasn't that fake he's gonna mo- he's gonna make every dollar in that contract but now he is the third highest paid quarterback in his own division which is crazy
0: and I think you also, the the thing that is harder for fans, I think the grasp and harder for us to evaluate is the goodwill, mm-hmm. emotional aspect yes. of all of this stuff is once you express to them or demonstrate to a player of that caliber, especially a quarterback that you expect to be there for 15 years, then it gets easier to negotiate going forward. So I, I still, for the life of me, like I think the people that run these teams are smart but for the life of me, I can't understand why they can't figure this out. And the only thing I can think of is maybe it's the agents and the quarterbacks, or the when it's not quarterbacks, the the players who are like, "No, I I know how this works. I'm gonna wait." But that in, doesn't make thing. sense in football to me.
2: And it doesn't make sense to me either because what you give up is both goodwill with the organization and goodwill with the fans. Like I think, and I was guilty of this. The Lamar Jackson thing. By the end, I was just rolling my eyes. I was like, this is so annoying. Like take the compromise. It's so much bleeping money. But then when you look at it, if you had taken the deal two years ago, it was, I think it was what, 135 million and you ended up with 185 million guaranteed. If you play your contract to the end and you are a franchise quarterback financially it is the best decision. Cause like, it's not just that Herbert, um, took less annually in this seven-year deal what it comes out to if he had signed the deal in two years say he had done the lamar jackson thing to the very end he likely would have i don't know what it will will be in two years 62 million dollars of annual salary something like that but it just you give up you give up the mirage that you care about your fan base and like the in the whole area you do you
0: do no 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 the chargers
2: I guess they don't have fans.
0: <laughs> you give up you give it up the barrage of, of fans. Yeah. But yeah, I get you. I I believe you're probably right. You saw I saw the Lamar Jackson thing happen and there were fans turning on him. I was stunned. My own son, like he became a Ravens fan. Yeah. I guess he was a Ravens fan because I played for the Ravens. Yeah, but like he became like a, a Lamar Jackson fan. And when Lamar wasn't signing the contract, he was like, Well, I mean, I don't know. We'll figure out who, who our next quarterback is going to be. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like he was uh, taking the wrong side. I failed as a player first union guy when my own damn son, who names his freaking pet after Lamar Jackson, started to turn on him. So I'm not going to make the argument that, uh, that you don't like piss off your fans. Yeah. But they come back really quick. Of
2: course. <laughs> but that's like it's there's a unique goodwill being the quarterback of a team with a fan base. Like, every mediocre fan base, for the most part, unless you become, like, completely apathetic, like a Washington Commanders fan, like, you believe that your franchise guy is the guy who's going to get you over the hump. Like, I had six months of RG3, and I was like, we're winning Super Bowls with this guy. We got him. We got him. <laughs> that's it. <sad. laughs> but that, I guarantee you that's what, that's what all the Raven fans are. Yeah, yeah. They're drinking Natty Bows, and they're going,
0: Lamar's taking us to the promised land. When I hear people do the whole Baltimore thing, that's a different Baltimore than I'm familiar with. <laughs> that's a, that is the like no, none of my family or friends. You're not Nattie watching Bowls. the O's and drinking natty boos. No, no, there's no not O's ew. and nat, natty boos. That was not that was not it at all. But, but the, I guarantee you, that's the, <laughs> that's the fan base was turning on Lamar. 100 oh, yeah. 100. I saw the internet. They were very upset. That Flacco I'll, would never do this. <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, yeah. Joe Flacco. They doing the playoffs Lamar. Don't, yeah, don't disrespect. I I think he's going to do it in the playoffs this year by the way. Uh the team that one of the teams that they're going to have to overcome before they get to the Chiefs is the Bengals and I, I've been I haven't made my official division selections but I'm leaning Ravens in that mm. direction, but I think It might happen by the time this podcast gets posted. Yeah. Joe Burrow's going to get his deal now because it it appeared that he was just waiting, having a a little staring contest with uh, Herbert so that he could take the next highest paid number. Get another 500 grand bump just like Herbert did off Lamar. (laughs) Why why not? Go ahead and get that money. So the interesting thing about Herbert, uh, excuse me, Burrow in this conversation is more roster construction. And we're looking at them where they surprised us with opening their super bowl window sooner than we expected. Mm-hmm. They were a, a Aaron Donald sack and pressure away from uh, potentially winning a super bowl in Joe Burrow's second year, right? Yeah. And they've been they didn't fall off. They've been competitive. They won a division back-to-back years after that and they've been good and competitive. They knocked off the Chiefs. And a lot of the reason why they've done that is not just because of Joe Burrow, but because of their young receivers. Yeah, And so they're going to be coming to a crossroads now where they have to decide, they have to make some decisions, what kind of team they're going to be. Joe Burrow obviously is going to get paid $500,000 a year more than the current contract. That's done. What are they going to do after this year with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins uh they've already moved on from some defensive their safeties their Mm -hmm. defensive players they've taken some hits here and there and it's an interesting concept i feel like given that they've never won a super bowl letting a championship caliber any players from a championship caliber team walk out of the door feels scary unless you've won a championship so the the um the Patriots have been able to remake their roster a bunch of times through the course of their dynasty win a championship. Other than that, other dynasties that I think of, it's like it's all the same core. And it's also like early in free agency. So it's like the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Steelers, like they're they aren't really rotating in and preserving or extending the dynasty the way the the Patriots did. And it looks like while the Chiefs didn't have a dynasty, so to speak, they were in the conference championship every year. They were yeah. really competitive and they have seemed to be able to transition the way that the Patriots have over into a new way to win championships and kind of prolong this uh their window, which is something that you rarely see happen. Normally your windows open, then it closes for a couple years. Yeah. If you're if your quarterback's good enough, you can build up around him again to make a run at it. But the Chiefs, the difference for the Chiefs And I would say the Bengals and the Bills in this situation is the Chiefs won one. And I think it's probably easier psychologically to rebuild and take some losses and potentially take a step back if you've already won one. And we see now we had a conversation before because there was an article you shared with me about the Bills roster yeah. really being old. And this is kind of the end of their opportunity. That's because they never won. And yeah. every year they was like, man, well, we can't let these guys leave yet. Cause we haven't won. We got to go get some more old guys that we know we can count on. And then they look up and it's like, man, all our money is tied up in guys that are over 30. And frankly, the window is going to shut hard yeah. on them at some point, And everything's going to fall on Josh Allen. And then they're going to have to try to remake it. And before I, before we transition back to the, the um, Bengals, I would say, that when you can do it the way that the Chiefs have done it, and the way that the Patriots did it, you can make you can take small risks. Yeah, you can do small tests. So like the Chiefs are like, all right, let's see how we can do this without Tyreek. Hill. All yeah. right, let's make some changes along the offensive line. All right, let's overhaul the the defense. Whereas when you do it the other way, it's like blow it up.
2: It's also just like I. You want to look at the Chiefs and the Patriots as model franchises because they are, because they win more than everyone, and that always is the model. But it's impossible to do when, regardless of how the team is built, we talk about this in the NBA, they are heliocentric teams. Everything revolves around the fact that the Chiefs and the Patriots happen to, at below draft value, get the way more extreme for the Patriots, get the two greatest football players of all time and Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. And so like, I I love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is probably the second or third best quarterback in the NFL. But the the Chiefs maxim last offseason of basically being like, how do we get the best out of Patrick Mahomes? And they thought about it deeply and they were like, it's not Tyree Kill. It's rebuilding the entire offensive line. Protection plus Mahomes equals Super Bowl. I don't think it's quite as simple with Joe Burrow, and like I don't think for, T. Higgins the older receiver. is twenty four years old. That's the their decision point to me. Like they're going to keep Jamar Chase. Jamar Obviously. Chase is a top three receiver in the NFL and has been every snap he's played in the league. I think it would be really tough to let T. Higgins go with the, how explosive that offense has been
0: um, with them together. So I would push back on one thing is that you said is the insinuation that you're making is that there's nothing to be learned from the chiefs and the patriots i just because, think it's not a model that you can easily follow well you see that's what, maybe it's it's my fault for using them as examples i would use the ravens as a similar mm-hmm. example i'd use the steelers definitely as a, another example where you do not have those greatest quarterbacks of all time and i would point in part to the culture of the organizations but also to coaching and this yeah. is why like we talk about coaching in other sports not mattering that much it matters a whole lot in football, and I think the reason why the Patriots dynasty was so like resilient was because they were flexible, yeah. And like, <laughs> the, the, even though they didn't draft well, they always managed to have a good defense, even though they were shipping out their best defensive players <laughs> all the damn time. And they always managed to have a competent offense, even though they didn't have superstar playmakers, except for when they had um Gronk for a while and when they had Moss for a while. So, like, I think that's what it's Edelman. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, he's a hall of famer, but either way, either way, I mean, he's a, hell of a okay, yeah, 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 hell of a player, incredible. Right. But um, anyway, that you almost sent me on a whole another tangent. But I think that's what it comes down to is it's, it's not always about, it is about drafting well. But it's about understanding the the talent you have and forming a scheme around that talent to allow them to succeed. And that, again, goes to something that we all know about Belichick, Belichick, as he talks a, a, about a, a lot about what his players do well mm-hmm. and trying to find ways to to allow them to do that. So few coaches, I think, are good enough at that. And I think that's probably the secret sauce, whereas we see a player succeed and we're like, hey, they drafted well, not uh, they made a scheme that fits these players well. And right. I think the Cowboys would be another example yeah. of a team that's kept their window open for longer than anybody expected it to because they drafted well. And yeah. no one would argue that they're a super well-coached team. There's actually the Steelers are one that you brought up that I think is really interesting because that that's
2: all... Um, I- uh, almost a direct comparison to me with the Bengals, like the in obviously the second half of Big Ben's career, who's much older than Joe Burrow is now, and probably not as good. But they were able to cycle through wide receivers through scouting and finding the same the same type of guys mm-hmm. over and over and over again, and basically keep an offense that was unstoppable for half a decade. Depend no matter who they put out there, other than Antonio Brown, who was the one that they paid. He was the one they're like, nope. He's too good. We're paying him. And then the rest the number 2 receiver was always It's malleable. interesting.
0: It's interesting that that the Bengals are the comparison there and not the Chiefs. So, the reason... I think the Chiefs is is a is a closer comparison because the Steelers always had a great offensive line. Yeah. And they did cycle through those receivers. Well, I guess the one difference is Kelsey if we're considering him a receiver, he's a special one.
2: Yeah. And my my point was basically just that like they only wanted to pay one of those receivers. Okay. So I guess Kelsey's the same way. But like, I remember when Jamar Chase was getting drafted. I think it was Danny Kelly at the Ringer. They were talking about his his floor and his ceiling, and they're like the 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 middle of the road comp is a much bigger Antonio Brown for Jamar Chase, <laughs> and, and like it hasn't been that far off, honestly. Um, but that's always what makes me think of it. And if you are looking at your team that way, that this is the person who makes the other guys unguardable then you maybe look at T Higgins the way Bill Belichick would at T Higgins and being like, he's a value now because we got him in the second round. But if we pay him like Tyree kill, he's no longer a value for our football team.
0: That would be your, so if they don't win, they win the super bowl this year. I think it's easier to make those hard decisions. Mm -hmm. If they don't win the super bowl this year, your position would be to move on from T Higgins. I don't know. I don't know
2: (laughs) he's really good. I mean, like it's, it is really hard. The question that I would think about if I was the GM of that team is, If I'm going to look back three to five years from now, will I view paying T. Higgins as a good contract?
0: And that depends on whether you win a Super Bowl or not. Yeah, it really does. So so it feels like we're... I'm such a coward. I have no answer (laughs) for this. He's so good. I feel like we're circling around what seems like maybe an oversimplification, but you can pay your quarterback and you can pay one playmaker. Yeah on offense like a lot of money and then the rest of it is devoted to like offensive line and doing what the Chiefs seem to be doing right now is bringing in anybody who has a special skill yeah are you big get on over here do you run a four two John Ross let's figure it out see if we can find a way to to make it work here and when you have Patrick Mahomes, it gets, or like Kadarius, Tony, yeah. are you the shiftiest mother we've ever seen? Sure. We'll score your touchdown <laughs> in the Super Bowl. <laughs> We're going to touch touchdown in the Super Bowl and a hell of a punt return. So like, that seems like the smartest thing to do if you're trying to preserve this. So I think I would have said before we started, had this conversation is like, I, I probably would have been too scared. Like, no, this has worked. Yeah. Let's keep, keep investing and let's win the Super Bowl. But I kind of feel like the answer is no, you can't pay. To playmakers like that on offense because the variance is too high. It's you know? also just like you're Joe, too thin elsewhere, too. Joe Burrow said last year, Our Super
2: Bowl window is my entire career. Right. And if that's the case, do you take the like Arsene Wenger Arsenal approach of like 100 year zoom out? How do we maximize the 15 year window of Joe Burrow? And how do you build a set of contracts that maximizes that? And if you view paying both of those playmakers as not being able to maximize that window with the rest of the roster, then it's almost like your duty to choose one. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the question is the the hyper competitor in me is like, we're not letting any talent walk out that door. Yeah. I'm signing everybody. I'll pay what I have to pay because we're gonna make the best possible team that I can that we can make. But like the Dominique the, Foxworth Public Investment Fund. <laughs> but the the more like analytically inclined, I guess if we go heart and head, is like football is too random to ever. Like, put it all in one basket. When you have a quarterback, that means you're always going to be close. The best thing you can do is get your ass to the playoffs every season. Yeah. (laughs) Like, give yourself a chance every season and try to even out the roster. Because I think when your quarterback is good enough, as long as you don't suck at any other spot, you're going to be fine. And the risk is... If your offensive line is terrible, Joe Burrow can still succeed. But chances are you chances you are might not have an ACL by week nine. True. Like but chances <laughs> are you're not going to succeed. If your receivers are just absolutely terrible, it's gonna be tough. If your backfield is terrible, it's gonna be tough. Your defense is terrible, it's gonna be tough. The best thing you can possibly do is try to keep everything close. Well,
2: I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you were the Bengals owner and you were saying, What will get me closer to a Super Bowl? in theory. Would you rather have Zach Taylor and T. Higgins, or neither of them, and Mike McDaniels as your coach?
0: I don't even understand why this is a, a well, because I'm just wondering like was, how
2: much of it is is roster construction or the oh, fact that we think it's like they have a saying. mediocre coach in theory running this offense, the less creative offense.
0: And so you would argue that who's the bet, the coach improvement? Like like what Mike McDaniel did to the, oh, to oh, the Mike McDaniel. Yeah. I was thinking of the other McDaniels.
2: No, no, not the, Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Not, That's why I was Josh like, what? That's what I'm No, I did say McDaniels. I meant like. That's what threw no, me off. That's
0: what threw me off. I get it. Um see the problem with that is is they've had success right now. Yeah, so like breaking yeah. that up. But if you ask me, separate from the success that they had, because I I would honestly say, give me what they have now because it's good enough to win the championship. They've been on the doorstep. But if the question is, give me a great coach and a great quarterback. And like a really young, creative coach. It's like, this is going to be there for the the duration. A young, creative, great coach and a really talented quarterback. Or give me a mediocre coach, a Hall of Fame caliber receiver and a superstar quarterback. I think I would take the first option. Yeah. Because I, I do I do sincerely believe that a lot of a lot of players in the NFL that we consider busts or we consider failures are more a product of them not being in the right spot or the coaches not being able to properly utilize them. Yeah. And so I, I think no especially when you're highly drafted. Like no one is dra- drafted that high because they they don't have skills. Right. So like I think that he makes my ge- – the coach makes my general manager better. The coach makes my quarterback's job a, little, a lot easier. And as we saw in – I was going to say last year, but as we see in the playoffs every year, uh, football is a complicated game, so I don't think that we often uh, blow up how important coaching strategies are. Yep. But you go back to the Super Bowl, and that's one that we blew up because of the Super Bowl. The Chiefs won that. We're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes coming back from injury and him making incredible plays or whatever. The Chiefs won that game because the Eagles didn't know how to address motion. They did not know how to deal with this motion. The Chiefs found out that the Eagles could not deal with motion, and they just ran that play over and over and over again in the fourth quarter, and it killed the Eagles. And I remember this from my own career, where we, um, my rookie year, we were thirteen and three, Mm -hmm. won the division, and we were zero blitzing, just about every snap, and no one could stop it. We were just killing people, zero blitzing, uh, and we, um, first round of the playoffs, we played the Patriots, destroyed them with the zero blitz. The one thing that Belichick did though was he took, uh, I don't know, it might have been Troy Brown, a receiver, and he motioned him across. And he blocked the end man on the line of scrimmage, which in essence took two of us because was was person covering yeah. him and the person he was blocking. But Troy Brown was too small and too weak to execute it. So they couldn't stop us. So the following week in the championship round against the Steelers, the Steelers saw that and they did the same Hines. thing, but they had Heinz Ward's big ass. So Heinz Ward was coming across and like, I wasn't the nickel at the time I was playing outside, but the put the, Great thing about zero blitz is the quarterback is not going to have enough time because there's not enough people to block. So like throughout the course of the year, we were getting better at playing defense in that fashion because I was like, all right, I'm going to cover this quick route. If they don't run a quick route, only thing else they can do is throw it up. And so that worked all year, and I would be breaking up these short crosses and outrunning people to deep balls, and it was a really simple thing as a rookie. He's like, you only got two things to cover. Yeah, <laughs> it was made life easy. Then we got to this game, and because of that, ben, ben was in his second year, I think. Because of that, he had all day, and we had no safety, and Champ Bailey was on the other side, and I was like, oh, this <laughs> this coming to this, me. Oh, this stinks. And like that was the difference and you know, we would have gone to the Super Bowl and beat the hell out of Mina Kimes, the Seahawks. It would have been fun. But it all came down to a, a coaching strategy that Bill Belichick devised and then the player, but he didn't have the players to yeah. execute it. <laughs> Fuck Bill. <laughs> I know, but he didn't have the players to execute it. So I think- Give him another Super Bowl. I I, I didn't appreciate that, how perfect a story that was before we started have this conversation. But that is the marriage between- Yeah. Between- coaching and drafting. is like you have the personnel and you have the coaching and it makes everything better. So the answer to the question is, give me Bill Belichick and
1: whomever else, honestly. We solved it. We solved it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Can we solve it for basketball? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I honestly don't. <laughs> this is, I don't remember what, it was a few weeks ago we had a conversation and I was really um, passionate about how little... Attention we pay to the rules mm-hmm. of the game and how the CBA, not the rules of game on court or on the field, but the rules of the CBA and how it impacts things and how once we changed the the uh, the rookie pay structure, it then became almost impossible. It felt like to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback who was not under a rookie deal. Yeah, and like those things impact the history of the game in ways that we don't appreciate. For basketball, the big Change to me that we don't appreciate as much is max salaries. Yeah, max salaries has made it really hard to win unless you got one of those great guys LeBron well, Curry, Kawhi, Brian. or Jokic. Because, as a function, what turns out happening is every team's pretty much going to pay somebody their max salary guy. Yeah. But every max salary guy isn't as good as the rest of them. So what ends up happening is you have a you have a certain amount of money to divvy up around surrounding your top player. And if your top player is one of the best players in the league and he's making the same as someone who's not as good as him, then obviously you're going to be more competitive. So we've seen that happen. And I think... The short end of the stick for that is when you end up, as we've pointed out before, as we have here in Washington, where it's John Wall or Bradley Bill. Right. They're good, but they're going to get max deals and you can't build around that. Now, to Jalen Brown. He got a max deal, highest, play, play, highest paid player in basketball. It really sucks for him. Does he it? Wrong, poor choice <laughs> awards. It? Terrible choice awards. Terrible choice awards. It sucks to be forced into the conversation with. Giannis yeah. and Jokic and guys like that. And Jason Tatum, frankly, his teammate. Those are the guys. But yeah. because he's good enough to warrant a high salary and the max salary benchmark is there, he's going to get it. If they were removed the max salary, frankly, I wish they would remove the salary cap altogether. But if they were just to remove the max salary, he wouldn't get that. No. He would get less and probably closer to what he deserves and not what he deserves. Because I would argue that he still deserves – uh 60 or more but the players who are better than him who are making that deserve more than that so say all that to say have the celtics ruined their i know you're i know what you're gonna say have the celtics ruined their chances to win a championship no because they're in the east the answer is like uh,
2: have they ruined like they are a team that has a bunch of really good players the question of the jalen brown contract is not to me can they win next year or get over the hump one year it's are you paying 60 million dollars to someone who you're not even sure is your second best player but has just scored like that because of opportunity mm-hmm. like he is you know those centers who get like max contracts but they're like you're just big yeah he is the modern version of that as the as the league has moved towards wings he is so uniquely a specialist because of his aversion to passing and handling the ball and the pick and roll and playmaking for others. He doesn't have an aversion to it. He's just not good at it. I kind of do like, I guess it's fair because they can't run pick and roll with him as the ball handler. Um, but he's someone who has all of the, the, you know, 24 points a game, high 40 shooting percentage. Um, and you look at their last two years, the difference between them beating the Heat and them losing to the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals in the two years was Jalen Brown. Obviously, Tatum hurt his ankle in Game 7 this year. But it was largely because Jalen Brown was a much diminished version of himself this year compared to the year before. Um,
0: and he's not the defensive player that he once yeah, was. But can you is, win? doesn't make sense. Can you, you win anyway. with him and Tatum? Yeah, the
2: East is a mess. Giannis's roster is bad. The Heat, we have no idea what it's going to be with that. It's certainly possible for them to get to the Finals. Do I think it hamstrings the way that you can build around Jason Tatum because you're paying the biggest contract in NBA history to a really, really,
0: really limited specialist? That's yes. too, one too many really. I think two too many really. I think he's just a limited specialist. No okay. realies. He's just a limited specialist, Okay, I think. And so I want to ask you the question, but we've already established that you're a coward. But the question is, would you have done this deal? I would have traded him for Dame.
2: I would have traded him for Dame, well, and I, mean, I legitimately assume, would have been like, "Dame, I will call your bluff. Show up or don't."
0: Now all of a sudden you got big balls. I'm trying like, oh a- gosh, you're you were too scared to let T. Higgins walk, but all of a sudden you're telling Dame Lillard, "I'm calling your bluff, Damien. Are you going to give up your sixty five million
2: dollars in the last <laughs> year contract? That's going to be T. Higgins' entire next contract. Oh,
0: gosh, um, I can't imagine. Well, also, this
2: is an easier sales job. Hey, Dame. You come here, you're going to be essentially uh, protected by Derek White and Jason Tatum and Robert Williams defensively. We will win the East. Uh, We will win the East. You will have a shot in the NBA Finals this year, the next year,
0: and the year after. Like, don't run from the grind, buddy. (laughs) It's not too late to pull that trade off. I feel like these are with the new CBA, you got to have like matching contracts. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find anybody that you can trade for Jalen Brown, but yeah. there's one person whose contract is close enough that you might be able to figure it out, and that would be uh, Damian Lillard. But I'm shocked at you. All of a sudden, you you well, got part of this the is sack about, of all sacks. I'm now.
2: I'm also really high in Damian Lillard, and he, I do I, I also oh people have talked about the fact you know his defensive liability stuff and where yeah. he ranks like he's just a winning player in the playoffs in a way that like upgrades you significantly from Jalen Brown in my opinion and I mean uh, it,
0: it, he does address the exact issues that like he's he's basaro <laughs> in some ways like yeah he's the the things that they've had trouble with are the things that he can close with and all of the half-court offense yeah. issues just go away they go, yeah, he gone. extends the floor and I mean, I don't know that I would consider him a great passer, but I guess it doesn't matter he's necessarily. Enough. He's he's good enough. So now you're the bravest man on, on planet earth and you would You just asked what I would do. That's that's what you, I don't believe you. I think For Damian Lillard, ball is life. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even he's, mean? He's not gonna skip a year of basketball. So you don't care that he'd be annoyed or upset or whatever, he'd just show up and get his I money mean, and play. In theory, would he be that annoyed once he showed up
2: and he was playing with all of these awesome players and it's like a really well-built roster for his specific skill set? He's never played with a roster this that would be that perfect for him. How much time
0: do you spend in Boston? Almost none. <laughs> flying there in a, <laughs> like three hours, but almost none. All right, when you get back from Boston, we'll discuss it again. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place. Yeah. It's what a I mean, place. Like, could still live in la or oakland in the off season for dame nba is a long season no i'm <laughs> just joking boston I, I lived there for well didn't actually go to boston that much yeah it's like new york if new york was mad <laughs> like people people uh, caricature new york as if it's like an angry place yeah it's not no no new yes, yorkers are busy but they're nice as hell like the you go to visit visit new york someone will help you if you need help one out of three of the people that will try to help you might try to scam you also. But that's on you. That's the hustle. Yeah, 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 that's on you. It's, New York is a, is not a city for dumb people, uh, but the people there are really kind. Boston, it hasn't been my experience. It is, I'm not even getting into the race stuff because I yeah. think Boston— it's mean to all people. It's a, a mean ass place, but their sports fans are serious. Yeah. I respect the hell out of Boston oh, sports yeah. fans. They like are passionate in a way that is uh, unhealthy, which is amusing for us. And also like informed. Like they're one of the crowds that that cheer and boo at the things that you think that fans shouldn't be recognizing. Yeah. I was,
2: uh, I actually just heard Johnny Damon talking about it at the Red Sox. And he was like, yeah, I play for the Yankees. I play for the Red Sox. I play for the. Ro- He's like in Boston is the only place where like the fans, they watch all 162, and you're walking down the street and they're like, stop enough. Yeah. <laughs> stop up in center field. We watched all, all nine innings last night.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds fun. If you're built for that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I like being here with our table.
2: Oh yeah. It's cozy. It's,
0: someone says something mean about me on Reddit and I'm like, <laughs> fuck this. Well, no one says anything mean about you. Only okay. nice things. Cause okay. you are. My friend Vanilla Snack, growing out the beer snack man. I love it. Just in case you don't know, maybe you're new to this podcast, but Charlie has a little bit of a hive growing on the internet. They call him Vanilla Snack, and he's very proud of that. He tries to pretend, be coy, and act like it's not something he's proud of, but he showed it to his fiance. It's like, hey. You- you, you it's CBA negotiation. <laughs> yeah, you got to reopen the CBA. That's exactly you know, right. When, when we first started this relationship, I was not as coveted as I am now. That's right. Now I, no more dishes Max for deal. Sure. <laughs> Max deal for Charlie. I appreciate you, Charlie. Uh, I'm sorry, Carrie. Good luck with uh, the new CBA negotiations. Charlie, you can stay in my basement if you have to hold out. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Christina Bustle. Thank you, Adi Khan. Thank you, Sarah Abbott. And also thank you, Podville, for this wonderful studio. And thank you guys. I never thank the listeners. I should thank them. Do they, like, uh, interact with our stuff? Yeah. Are they yeah. Like, tweeting it and Instagramming? Yeah, they, they tag and, us
2: and tweet at us. And writing in the uh, YouTube comments? We'll do a mailbag soon. Hey, listeners. Uh, mailbag. We'll give you an email address or you can tweet at us. We'll do a mailbag soon.
0: Tweet or write in uh, YouTube comments or something. All right. We're out. Thank you. This is the Dominique Foxworth show.